you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Around the NFL Podcast. Wishes they looked like Tom Brady. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by Head and Shoulders. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Colleen Wolf, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, people? Hey. Hey. I should have worn my blue shirt. Um, this is my blue button down. This is embarrassing because yeah. we're going to have <laughs> we're going to have a hit on up to the minute on um, NFL Network airing uh Four o'clock Eastern every day. Today. And we are, yeah, we are all wearing very boring-looking business blue shirts. Well, we're basic guys. It's just so like you can't <laughs> run from it. Ultimately, sort of action figure clothing. If you wanted action figures of like people that work in offices, exactly. <laughs> I mean, what, what are you looking for ultimately from us? Um, all right, this is, by the way, our Tuesday. There's a lot of housekeeping, and I guess it's a sign of support on some level from this building because I have some things to talk about. Number Ooh. one. This is, again, our Tuesday video show, 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific, overseas, international audience. That's your problem. <laughs> or uh, just watch it anytime you want after that. Or anytime right. you want, NFL.com slash ATN video. Also, I should get it out there, the Pick'em, which is our one-hour-long network show that we do with uh, Dave Damashek and also, um, you know, shepherding. Logs, I think it's called. What Move is it? Uh, Shepherding Logs. <laughs> Shepherding. I mean, they really uh, should have gone with that name. I can't believe they did. This opportunity for that Twitter handle for Daniel Jeremiah. It's a cabin home improvement show. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. I have not checked it out yet. Moving sticks together. <laughs> so the Shepherding Logs podcast <laughs> is um, uh, also involved with it. But anyway, pick a mares on Saturday. At 9 uh, a.m., 2 p.m., uh, 11 p.m. Eastern time. And then Sunday, a re-air at 6 a.m. Eastern that that leads into game day morning, which is Whoa. Connie Fox's program. Ah. How exciting. How was, so fun. How was your first weekend as a big-time NFL 
Network yeah. morning show host. You've got game day. I mean, uh, you've got game day morning uh-huh. on Sunday. I mean, that's that's really big. And then you got Good Morning Football as well on on Saturday. On Saturday, I know it's a, it's a lot. It's super fun. It feels the same as it did before I was doing those shows. But yeah, famously last week you did not count this show amongst one of the many shows you're on. Uh, have you changed your opinion on our program? Yeah. In fact, I updated my Twitter profile, and it is now in there. Oh, good. Yeah. How about I didn't want to step on anybody's toes yeah, yeah. and assume that I was just like a regular member. Would but you I drop some on you're here every Tuesday. I am. Would you drop everything that you're doing, which is a significant uh, piece of the pie here at NFL Network, to be on the Pick'em Show for five or six minutes? Uh, I could do it remotely, right? I mean, I'm just saying <laughs> – when it comes to the premiere programming on the network, you realize we're, we're, what's leading into your your Sunday right. business is us, and I think that's you know. I would drop everything for you guys. Oh, so there that's you go. That's true. Colleen is Not on that. three and a half shows. <laughs> Let's compromise. Coming up on today's show, today's around the NFL podcast, uh, we're going to review the two Monday night football games. Uh, that took place in Denver and Minneapolis, and and finally, I think it's called Minneapolis. Correct. Didn't pronunciate there properly. Mm. Also, a Thursday night preview. Greg's excited. He was carrying that water for the network on Sunday night show. Uh, it's a Jacksonville-Houston matchup, I believe. No, that's no, it is totally not. incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> the Texans are playing the Cincinnati Bengals. Close. One Good week of, to be ignoring the Bengals, Dan. One of uh, the great playoff rivalries of this decade. Very exciting. Yep. And, you know, we don't do this often, so, uh, you know, hold on to your butts. Uh, but Doug Baldwin, the Seattle Seahawks wide receiver, uh, will be uh, on the team cam from Seahawks headquarters, and we're going to talk to Dougie. How about that? Love it. Why not? Big-time player, that Doug. He's a, listen, we usually don't have uh, guests, if you know the show. This is not news. But right, Doug, we don't like people outside. Period. Yeah, just end the <laughs> statement. We don't like people. But Doug Baldwin's one of the best wide receivers in the league on one of the best teams in the league. Let's keep it you real. Should, I mean, you should do that way more often. When, uh, the last time, when was the last time you had a player on? Don't direct our show, Colleen, just because you're a big star. Tony Romo was great. Wasn't he the last guy on? <laughs> Tony Romo was uh, on the show. I would not say he was great. <laughs> uh, but let's start with the Monday Night Football, and let's begin with the late, late game in Denver. Second time, and it is no good. It's blocked here. Let's see who gets a hand on it. Shelby Harris. Shelby Harris shot through the line and deflected Youngway Koo's 44-yard field goal attempt with one second to play, allowing the Broncos to survive a furious comeback attempt by Phillip Rivers and company. A 24-21 win for the Broncos over the Chargers on Monday night. Greg, this went from laugher to nail-biter in a hurry, closing out week one with some much-needed juice. Yeah, we, need, we needed that. That game was shockingly one-sided for most of the game. I think the better team won in terms of the Broncos deserving it. But what a disappointing ending that Phillip Rivers got the ball back twice there in the fourth quarter. First time they had to punt. Second time after some very curious clock management by Anthony Lynn. And I guess we can throw Rivers in there. They do get in great position for a pretty short field goal. And like, what a letdown. I was thinking this is going to be the new L.A. Chargers. You know, the San Diego Chargers. We're on the opposite side of this game, and maybe the L.A. Chargers would find ways to win a crazy game, but no, they were still the Chargers. There was no sense of urgency at the end at, different, at points for the Chargers. I, I was watching, and I was yelling at them, go, go, what are you doing? Mm. Like, I, I don't understand why they, they were just letting time run off the clock. 
I mean, my, pl- it wasn't very well planned out. No, it wasn't. And that does look like stuff we've seen from the Chargers in the past. And it, it, to me, I guess the comeback is the story of the game. But I don't think you're in that position if you're Los Angeles without Trevor Simeon in his opening start here in 2017 playing a fascinating game. I love this guy. I think he's got an incredible arm. I think they trust him to do much more than last year. And he, they were in complete control of this game until the final 10 minutes. Simeon played extremely well. The comeback came on a couple turnovers, and you open the door for Phil Rivers, and he's going to take advantage of it, which is exactly what he did. I just want to – we'll get back to Simeon, but I just want to stick with the end of the game for a second more here and, and talk about how – and we all get on the – um, the icing, the kicker, it's horrible. I would love if uh, one of these league meetings, they came out and just said, no, you can't call timeout with less than five seconds. Why the Why? Why not? I just don't like I it. I just kill it. It's annoying. It's bad, Get rid it's of bad it. for the sport. They do a lot of things that just are bad to watch. It, do, it doesn't make sense in like a sporting way. Like If you're trying to explain it to a kid, like, wait, why didn't that count? Wait, they're allowed to take a timeout just for And no it way. always generates Stupid. negative buzz, not right. positive. Stupid. So I, will, I don't agree. I will say in in the, in this case. Not allowed on this show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I think agree. just keep talking. Just ignore what we'll I just said. <laughs> wait, let me just You'll set up. You'll have your moment. Young Wei Koo um, <laughs> makes the kick for the first time. Uh, it gets waved off, and then they call timeout. He gets out there, and uh, it was a bit of gamesmanship. Uh, by Derek Wolf and the the defensive line. Uh, does anybody know the backstory between this? I know we were talking about it downstairs. Well, Derek Wolf, I don't know if it's so much gamesmanship as just intelligence from a veteran. He was beating Dan Feeney, the Chargers guard, all game long, just beating him like a drum. That's how he felt. On the first field goal attempt, again, he's going up against Feeney. He beats him easy. He sets it up with Harris after that first attempt saying, hey, look, I can I can clear a lane for you. I'm going to beat Feeney. Let me kind of knock him to the side. You can go through that lane, get up in there, and block it. It was a two-man um, combination platter, basically, and what a job by Wolf to ba- to save the game. Absolutely. That, that wasn't the kicker's fault. It was a rare one. It was not the kicker's fault. It's one thing to call the timeout and – they make it, and you have another chance to have them not tie the game. That's great. But to make adjustments, if you're, the, if you're Denver, to make adjustments during that brief period of time and have it have a seismic effect on the game. So, really? Connie, it's – Yes. So, now the stage is yours. Okay. You like the fact that he bangs the field goal through the uprights, but the play doesn't count because Vance Joseph is yeah. a timeout. I mean, I don't, I don't like it for the Chargers or for the kicker, but – with, without that, then the Broncos would have maybe lost the game. It would have tied it. They would have went to overtime. Which would have been fun. I would have Right, but it. I, I like the it's, added drama of it. I like the, oh, my God, he just made it, and now he's got to do it, it again. It doesn't always work. Sometimes you're the team that yeah. they missed the first field goal. You call you the can, timeout, and they nailed it. You can crush I can be, Andy Reid for, like, wasting all of his timeouts when it doesn't work out. It's my favorite part. Right. Numbers show <laughs> that, that right, it hurts right. you. Just as often as it helps you, in this case it helped. I could be wrong, but I think the Chargers might have been on the flip side of this uh, last season. Certainly one or two teams were where, yeah, they, they called the timeout uh, off of a miss, and the guy made it after he had a nice little warm-up. The, the Chargers and, you know, I one of the reasons they were at the top of my pain rankings, the moving thing was the reason why I made them number one. But this team, this they are – They've been doing this for decades. They know how to lose games. They they they're one of those teams that always find ways to to kill their their fans with a really crushing loss and to come all the way back in a game that was over. You could even tell, and the crowd in Denver was uh, ex- celebrating in the fourth quarter, and then all of a sudden, everybody's like, "Whoa!" We were all texting about what a bad 
what a surprisingly one-sided game and right. and yeah. weekend it was. They scored two touchdowns in a minute ten. That second when they hit that second touchdown to Travis Benjamin, I'm thinking there's seven minutes left. They're they back. Plenty yeah, of, they're like, in it, this. Plenty of time. Plenty of time. And Greg, you were you were on the Trevor Simeon train uh, earlier this offseason in the sense that saying let's wait and see if this guy is the real deal, and he looked very much like a, not just the seventh round guy that's waiting for Paxton Lynch to develop, but like a real quarterback today. He's on Monday. He, he started so few games in his NFL career that why can't we expect them to keep getting better for a first year starter he was really good and I think we saw what he can do with a little bit better protection although it fell apart late Mm -hmm. and a running game they didn't have a running game last year and they definitely didn't have protection it is worth pointing out though he he is an inconsistent quarterback like he threw a pick six to start the game and everyone's like it's a totally one-sided game it should have been a pick six Casey Hayward dropped it like th- those are things that just happen in, in an NFL game what I love about him though is there's nothing limited about him physically in terms no. of his throwing ability and in the fact that they're oh Paxton Lynch at some point's just going to be put into this starting role not with what they're seeing because he, Trevor Simeon last year 4-0 before he hurt his shoulder and then they lost CJ Anderson in week 7 that offense never was at full power last night we saw what they could do he's that- juking Joey Bosa out of it. Bosa I mean, and Ingram were in move. their face. He can move. Uh, Paxton Lynch had his opportunity this summer and in training camp to, to win that job. And now that he, he missed the second opportunity, he might have to get comfortable on the bench. Let's move on to the first game of Monday Night Football in Minneapolis. Fake the handoff, bootleg to the right. Bradford throws wide open. Touchdown! Stephon Diggs, right corner of the end zone. And the Vikings go out in front. Sam Bradford was a man possessed on Monday night, passing for 346 yards and three touchdowns to help the Vikings ease past the Saints 29-19. to uh, Mark, this was supposed to be about Adrian Peterson's big return to Minnesota, but instead we got a glimpse on how tough the Vikings can be when it's all clicking. I mean, we just talked about the fact that Trevor Simeon is someone who could still grow. It's crazy to me that in 2017 we get the greatest Sam Bradford game you could ever imagine. A guy that went half a decade without producing even a memorable game, even a moment that you could point to and say, that's why Sam Bradford's in this league and why he was the number one pick. Last night, this offense, it's just as much as Denver seemed to grow with Simeon in year two. This thing came together, together for, the, for the Vikings. I wrote yesterday that I thought the story of the game coming out would be that the Saints finally for once could rely on their defense to come in and cause an upset. Couldn't have been more wrong. This was I kept I was watching this game and I kept having to sort of temper my emotions because I was like, oh, my God, this Vikings team, this offense is so much fun to watch. They have a lot of really fun playmakers. And is Sam Bradford actually good? But they played the Saints defense, and that's been the problem all along for the Saints the past couple of years. I don't know if I can trust yet what I saw last night from the Sa- from the Vikings offense. Those throws, though, didn't matter what defense you were playing. There were no windows there. Like the play, I I give the Saints defense some criticism in this game, but. Sometimes you just have to give credit. Stephon Diggs made great catches, and Bradford made great throws. What about that throw to Javoris Wright? Right. It was so beautiful. Right. So I, you, you kind of have to just tip your cap to the offense on, on a lot of these plays. I guess my takeaway from the game was the Vikings, who no buzz around the Vikings in the offseason. It's awful in the preseason. When, when yeah. they, everything's clicking, when their offensive line, which is a total makeover and so far so good, and their defense is always good, when Bradford is accurate and they're in that building, they're a very good home team. They're frisky. So Dalvin Cook had an amazing night. Yeah, I don't know. And, yeah, Cook went, I think, 125 or, yards. Yeah. This, this team could 
definitely contend if things stay like this. It's hard to keep it like that. And what a fun NFC North this would be if they continue on the same path that the Pack. Well, if the Packers are good and then the Lions. I mean, that could be a three-team race. Well, this is a team really that started fun. six and zero last year and couldn't couldn't finish right at and all. What, won a lot of close games and they were ugly and defense. And so I think they have to love winning the game a little differently. Them and the Broncos remind me a lot of each other because they both had no running games last year and very poor lines. And if they can just improve both of those to average, and there's a good chance Dalvin Cook is better than average, Mm -hmm. then suddenly the rest of your team can start making a lot more sense. And people were telling on themselves when they were like Stephon Diggs breakout game and, oh, wow, Sam Bradford can finally throw deep. Sam Bradford could throw deep last year. We said it on this podcast all season long. And Stephon Diggs has been great. He's been stuck in a terrible offense, and and he's a great player. What about Adam Thielen? I mean, Adam Thielen in week 16 last year had a 200-yard game. He came close last night, 157. They have, you know, yes, Laquan Treadwell has not panned out at all, but they found a way to grow other other weapons. Yeah, did he? Even he had a catch. That's when you know things are clicking. Like that's the thing. We because they did start six and zero, and we were having we were gushing about the Vikings. That's not always going to be this easy, but it well, shows you when they. Mark was I was roundly <laughs> villainized for somehow, you know, convincing you guys to make you the were team not, of not by us, not by you, Greg. You didn't want to hear it. You never didn't convinced hear. me. Yeah, you, I yeah. pushed for the Raiders and got yeah. turned away. How'd that turn out? Last night, I think it was midway through the third quarter when Mark was like, "Vikings for team of." Well, I was I again. was overtly <laughs> kidding because I'm not. I'm never pitching a team ever for that again in my life. Um, and by the way, you know, hey Saints. You look a lot like a seven and nine team again. Ugh. Just saying, it's tough because they they're home to the Patriots, which is a huge game for them and for the Patriots. And then they're on the road in Carolina and Miami, so they have only one home game. And they've had these one and three or, or zero and three or zero and four. Can't starts, do it again. And they're headed for it again. It, it, you know, those are really tough slates. Their offense was also very uneven. Adrian Peterson only with nine snaps in that game, and they got to the red zone. I think inside the 10 yard line, three times where they settled for field goals. So it could have been a different game, but they're a little like thin at receiver and they're figuring well, out also, their running backs. They lost uh, Zach Streif last night, which yeah. they were already playing their backup Ryan Ramchek because of Teron Ar- Armstead going down. And, and it you showed can up. see the pocket collapsing over and over again. One last quick question it, Would anyone be shocked if Adrian Peterson were not on the roster at the end of this season? I get by the money when? side of it. What do you mean it? at the end? Of the by the end of the year. By the, by week 17, he's I, not even he might just retire. Like, like during the season. Obviously, during after the season, the season I, I would not be surprised. I would be surprised if they cut him during the season. His, yes, I would be shocked. I think he'll stick around, but I think it's interesting to see how he was used in this game. When the Saints are winning and they're trying to run clock, he's going to have a role. But in the instances like tonight, they don't really seem to have a use for him. They even tried to work him into the passing game near the goal line once. Didn't work out. There was but. all this media outrage about him not being – there was, you know, show him his respect. Get him oh, in there for 20-plus – Peterson. How about you've been self-scouting your team all summer and he's not right. the biggest threat They have better options backfield. at this stage. Adrian Peterson still looks like he's 23, and I'm a little jealous of it, to be honest with you. <laughs> but he's 32-year-old running back that hasn't been great in a I couple of years now. I wonder mentally how he's going to deal with that because it didn't look like he was <laughs> well, dealing with it very well last was, night. Yeah, no, It okay. has to be frustrating. You go back to Minnesota, you, and you've been playing it out in your mind all summer, and then it's a – And Dalvin Cook sets the rookie debut right. record oh, in, in front in of your you face. for right. the Vikings. It's a good sign for the Saints that, that Peyton trusts Alvin Kamara that much that he played him more than Mark Ingram. That's what I'm surprised about. Mark Ingram's so good. I, I kind of hate seeing him only get 20 snaps. Loose Cannon. Hi. How are you? Good stuff. Good stuff. Good start to the show. 
Good stuff. <laughs> a lot of football talk. Yeah. They moved the desks, desk, so I have to look behind Greg to see you. This is yeah. really messing up Dan. You know, that's we were watching Feng that shui. the Mike and the Mad Dog uh, 30 for 30 where they talked about the power chair. You need to see the producer. And I need to look around Greg. I feel like maybe this is a good I, I can see her perfectly, yeah, so maybe of, I'm in the power chair. Colleen's really in the power chair. No, I actually yeah. can't see her at all because the camera is Very right clear view from face. right here on the end. Everyone's conspiring against me. That's my takeaway. <laughs> Let's do some news. Here he is having the time of his life this night making his head coaching debut. And we will start with bad news for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, David Johnson will undergo undergo wrist surgery this week. He's expected to be out two to three months, NFL Network's Mike Garofolo reported, according to a source informed of the situation. ESPN first had this. Of course, he suffered the injury in week one. He got a second opinion on the wrist. There was hope, Colleen, that this was going to be a situation uh, where they would be able to uh, not miss too much time. But now the guy that was the entire offense for that team last year, coming off a game in which Carson Palmer, frankly, looked – uh, like late period Peyton Manning, Dan Reno, and now David Johnson's gone for half the season, if not more. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge blow to the offense. Carson Palmer looked really rusty, and then you add in the fact that their best offensive player, they're going to lose now. And this is a guy who led the NFL in total yards and touchdowns last year. He was a, Everything sort of ran through him, and it opened up everything for Carson Palmer. But now that you don't have him – and you have Carson Palmer not looking like he did two years ago, that's a major problem. SOS. I mean, this is a team that is is September 12th, and it could not possibly – you couldn't have scripted a more grim beginning to the season. This is a guy who talked about wanting to get 1,000 yards on the ground and through the air, and I think he could have done it, and he talked Mm. about 30-plus touches a game, and the team was on board with that, and what's behind him is literally incapable of producing anything close. Yeah, Kerwin Williams, Andre Ellington, they re-signed Chris Johnson. Who they got rid of because they didn't think he was any good anymore. Right, so he'll he'll probably have a fairly minor role. It's a really good defense, potentially. They certainly collapsed in that Detroit game after a while. But their MO is not really like let's win with defense and just enough from Carson Palmer. I'm not willing to write off Carson Palmer after one game, but it's putting a lot of pressure on him and the passing game which, by the way, is missing their starting left tackle for the next couple weeks with D.J. Humphreys. The good news is they do have the Colts this week. Uh, They do host the 49ers in a couple weeks. They play the Cowboys in between. I don't know. Maybe you can get out to a 2-2 start there. But then what? That's my question. Well, you find your legs as a different sort of defense team, and and Carson Palmer has to be good. By the way, they also have the Cowboys in the middle of that. Right. Right. I said said the Cowboys in the middle. Maybe you get two wins, 2-2. I think Palmer can be good. Right. In the short term, you need some good news, and and the Colts with Scott Tolzien or whoever coming, uh, coming up next, that's some good news. If they lose that game, better. forget it. I mean, no. this is one of those seasons where it could just snowball and hurry. Well, because they talked about it as a, this is our last-ditch effort to be a Super Bowl team, which doesn't even make sense at this Yikes. point for them anyways. And you wonder about Arians next season. Palmer, you wonder where he's going to be by midseason. This, the wheels could fall it's off It's a here. shame. This was my, my pick, uh, a great one. Um, for MVP this season was David Johnson. I mean, that's, oh, that's wow. the kind of a right. con- conversation uh, this guy is. I mean, it's he's like a – We've only seen running backs like him come along every every couple of years. It's crazy. And he well, hurt his wrist, and then he went back in, and then that's when I think he might have even hurt it more when he fumbled the ball. Like, oof. it was already a problem. You have to be wondering what Bruce Arians thinking, a guy that 
you know, probably is putting a lot into this team and, and believes that this was a team that could make a run, and now they are severely compromised. Their superstars always get hurt. Palmer, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, Tyron Matthew, and now David Johnson. They never have all of them together. Uh, more injury news. Uh, just an update here on the Indianapolis Colts, who we were just talking about. Andrew Luck uh, is already confirmed out for week two, and now it's becoming more and more clear, uh, which we kind of had an idea, but this is something that's going to be going on uh, potentially for some time. And do we have even – is there a quarterback decision yet? How, how is it being played with Chaz Pagano? Well, they're talking about Brissett as a potential starter for, for is week Is he ready two. to be their quarterback? He just got there. Could you be any less ready than the <laughs> current starter? That's the situation. They, they won't announce it yet. Maybe by the time people hear this, it, it'll come. They said he certainly doesn't know the playbook entirely, but even then maybe it's worth playing him. And I think you have to put – when's the over-under on Luck getting back? I mean, at, at the earliest, it's probably week four – uh, according to NFL, which is at Network Seattle, Insider, Ian Rapport. You're right. That's on Sunday Night Football on NBC. Like it's going to be some time. Plus, it doesn't help that they don't have Ryan Kelly, their center. So the offensive line right. is already sort of like everyone killing Tolstein. And I get it. Uh, he had a couple of pick sixes, but like that play that was one of the pick sixes is a great example. It was a terrible snap because you had a new center. Right. It's a timing throw. He like picks it up. He's late on the throw and it gets picked off. Yeah. Um, finally in the news, Thomas Rawls, the Seattle Seahawks running back who missed uh, week one with an ankle injury, should return on Sunday against the 49ers. Pete Carroll, uh, via the team's official website, said, yes, we do expect Thomas back. He should be raring to go. This is, uh, this is good news, Mark. Uh, they, their running game, you know, you can get, in, get excited about Chris Carson. I didn't think he was moving uh, that well. I wasn't that into Chris Carton. Carson other than the one 30-yard run. Eddie Lacy doesn't look like he's Eddie Lacy anymore, so they kind of need Thomas Rawls, but you don't even know, is he the guy that, that broke out a couple of years ago? Well, I mean, he, Rawls finished the season last year as a dynamic player. I thought he was explosive, and he looks like a starter, and you're right. I mean, I think Carson, give the Seahawks credit, it seems like every season they have found some rookie running back that's going to play a much bigger role than you'd expect. Maybe that will be Carson down the stretch, but Rawls, Rawls, Rawls for me, removes Eddie Lacy as a as a starting option. Eddie Lacy did not look good. Eddie Lacy looked awful. He had three Three yards rushing on five carries. I mean, Mike Daniels just completely demolished him. It's telling that in his first game in Seattle, Chris Carson was the one on the field in a huge game for the vast majority of the second half. Like, hey, we need to win this game. Who gives us our best chance? How about the seventh-round rookie? who's never played an NFL game right. while Eddie Lacy's on the bench. After months of questioning, how will this shake out? It's like, no, it's not going to be the way you predicted at all. I All um, August, I, I was excited about the Seattle offense. I still am. I don't put too much into that week one loss, but they do need to establish a running game to keep, keep uh, defenses honest, and Rawls is a key figure there. That's what's happening in the news. Uh-oh. You know what time it is, guys? What time is it? It's time to get on those shoulders of greatness presented by Head and Shoulders. Oh. How, well, do, how do we get on the shoulders? <laughs> can, we, can you help us up? Yeah, I don't know quite how Dan to do it. Dan could carry Colleen and I around, I feel like. Maybe, yeah. You're pretty strong. I can I'll try. just walk, apparently. You're kind of in between. I don't know if you can carry us, but and I don't know if you can Wait, carry. Dan's shoulders are the shoulders of greatness? That we're <laughs> I, yeah, I, don't, I mean, what is going on here? No, I thought I so was, many things no, to no. potentially dispute. I thought I was carrying, and maybe this just shows how humble I am. I thought I was carrying Colleen and Greg to the Giants' shoulders. Okay. This is a giant we're talking about, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. I'll uh, scale yeah. this uh, massive figure myself while you, <laughs> three of you, get there on your own. Always a telltale sign of Well, you can get there on your own. We can't. A, a telltale sign of someone that's humble <laughs> is someone that points out, this is how humble I am. <laughs> <laughs> Stand up. Be humble. Well. Um, okay. So, here we go. A lot of great shoulders in week one. So, I'm going to throw out four names. Uh, okay. With a quick, you know, quick uh, info about what kind of performance they had in week one. I want you guys to pick who you thought had the the greatest shoulders in week one. Yikes! Uh, here we go. <laughs> T.J. Watt, th- a third player with two sacks and an interception in his first NFL game. Calais Campbell, wow, four sacks, setting a franchise record in his first game with Jacksonville. Kareem Hunt, what else do you need to say? 250 yards. Uh, two touchdowns against the Patriots. And Matty Stafford, how about that? His tw- Not my favorite stat, 29th career fourth quarter comeback. Uh, but uh, Means did- you're not building leads. But- yeah, exactly. But he did throw four touchdowns uh, and uh, led the Lions to win over the Cardinals. Real quick, Mark, around the horn, who had the greatest shoulders in week one? How could it not be Kareem Hunt after what we saw? Yeah. I'd, I'd have to I'd be literally kicked off the show for the next 12 months <laughs> if I pick anyone else. <laughs> Kareem Hunt was awesome, especially after having that first carry. It was a fumble, and you saw how upset he was on the sideline. It was almost like they were trying to console him and talk him off the ledge, and then he just went back out there and totally did his thing. I mean, you got to give some of the shoulder love then to the offensive line because he had some big holes. I I don't think it's crazy to go with someone else. Calais Campbell literally set the franchise sack record in the first half of his first game with the franchise as a huge Those are great shoulders. So that's that's my shoulders I want to stand on. Plus, he's – I think he's 6'8". He's strong. He's 6'8". You're getting a yeah, – Kareem Hunt, you're like a foot down from Clayus Campbell's shoulder. I mean, if someone My runs sh- for 200-plus yards on the Patriots next week, could they possibly win this award in your yeah, mind? He has just, quick shoulders. <laughs> yeah, he's got nice shoulders. I don't – I mean – You're a foot higher if you're can- on It's Campbell's nice to shoulders. discuss Campbell, but how how on earth does Hunt not win this? Temposi, obviously. Obviously Kareem Hunt, right? That came close to hitting my. To I was a little nervous. Paper cut across the <laughs> face with that air. That could have taken out both your eyes in a worse case scenario. Not going to be climbing oh any human giants at that point. Hideous scenario. That was uh, shoulders of greatness presented by Head and Shoulders. Yeah, we really got to the bottom of that, guys. And we Thank will God. Uh, resurface again uh, next Tuesday. All right. Okay. All right. What are we talking about? What are we Thir- talking about? Are we doing Thursday night football? You want to talk about Thursday the night TNF. football? Because as you guys know, just minutes ago, I was unaware what the matchup was. Um, <laughs> and now I am going to jog my memory. The Texans and the Bengals. The what a and matchup. The and think about it. Think about who needs this win more. Let's it's start too this way. See, oh. It's too early in the season to be cynical about any matchup. No, I, think all I won't be cynical. Flowers. I will spin it as this is a, a, a tough situation for both teams in terms of their week one performances. The Texans who have all sorts of quarterback situations. Again, again, Bill O'Brien in the middle of it. You think uh, that home game after the hurricane, they would have won, but the quarterback couldn't play, and they ended up losing easily. The Cincinnati, Mark, my God, Cincinnati gets shut out at home by a division rival. That. It just very rarely happens see it. unless there's some type of extenuating circumstances, uh, which there were not. Uh, so who do you, <laughs> who do you think uh, – let's start this way. Which team had a more troubling loss to you and let's start there. Well, I think the Texans, you have to take into account everything that people were going through personally. And it was assumed, I thought, there's this one scenario where the Texans come storming out with all this emotion and just drop a bomb on whoever they're playing in week one. Instead, I think it went the other way. And I, I would give them a better chance to bounce back, potentially. The Bengals, to me, 
have core issues on their offensive line. This guy, Cedric Obwey, was absolutely Abouye? victimized. Obwey? Did you get it? Obwey, because I went and listened to the telecast to make sure oh. I got it right. Oh, good job. Was, was taken to town by Terrell Suggs. I mean, he was absolutely taken to town. And just as if we're going to talk about... Now he's got to play Watt and Clowney. Exactly. Oof. It gets no better. And, and Andy Dalton, yes, you can say Andy Dalton with all the interceptions. It's just like a few other quarterbacks we talked about on this episode. Andy Dalton, some of his mistakes go right back to the fact that he had people in his face, like, instance after the ball snapped. You can't operate as a quarterback in that, in that space. They lost Andrew Whitworth and Kevin Zeitler in the offseason, and they really didn't do anything to help fill that void. Well, they had young players that they Taking wanted to count on. That's that's what the Bengals do more than any team in the league. It's worked to a point. It's not working yeah. right now. No, and, and because of that, they couldn't run the ball, and also Andy Dalton had the game that he had, and it's almost like he he looks like the Andy Dalton we saw in, I guess, what was it, 2015? I'd say 2014. Before, like before the year great. that he was great. Yeah, very very similar teams. I think Houston right. has more to worry about because, to me, the Bengals are a veteran team who are playing a really good defense that knows them and had a great game, and there were some red zone things, whereas with Houston, you didn't see anything out of that offense. Uh, they had five concussions in the game. All those guys are going to miss this. Three tight ends. This game. They were starting Bruce Ellington, who just joined the team at right wide receiver. He's one of the guys that get hurt. Like, they're they're really thin throughout their offense. There's nothing about their offense that I can look to and be encouraged about. That Their offensive line, which I think was one of the worst going into the season, is now missing a couple more people on top of Dwayne Brown. Whereas you look at Cincinnati, it's like they have players. They have players I like on both sides of the ball, and I'm willing to give them a, somewhat of a pass for one bad game and see if they can crawl out of it, and that's what I expect. The Bengals were actually in that Ravens game right. until third quarter. I mean, the score looks terrible. It. They just couldn't score. They, it was red. They, you know, when, once they got over the in the red zone, they were terrible. And Baltimore might have the best defense in the AFC. Obviously, I think Baltimore's defense looked great. I think it was a bad day for Cincinnati. So I'm not going to go and say that Baltimore are the 85 Bears, and I'm not going to say Cincinnati stinks because I, I think this, the Bengals are going to be in the mix this year. And for that reason alone, I mean, uh, that having a second home game, I just find it hard to believe that they'll lay another egg. I think they'll play very well, in fact. And I think this is a game that they're going to be okay. And I think we're going to look at Houston as 0-2. And, and I don't know what their quarterback situation is right now. I think Bill O'Brien's talking later today, Tuesday. Expected to be Watson. Yeah. yeah. Fully I, expected to be Deshaun Watson, not officially confirmed. And Watson was – he threw a touchdown pass already. He was ahead of Tom Savage. But uh, he didn't do much else in the rest of that game either. So – I, don't, I think the Texans are a work in progress because now they've done what probably they wanted to avoid, which is they have to get a kid ready to win games, and that might take a couple weeks, and it could cost them their season. And Deshaun Watson, he's going to have to face Geno Atkins, who I thought was one of the only bright spots that I saw for yeah, the Bengals. I think they get back um, Adam Jones from suspension. Yeah. I think Jalen Strong for the Texans is back. This is one of those games I wrote on uh, the debrief on Tuesday. Oh, get that plug in. NFL.com slash debrief. How there were a higher percentage of teams under 300 yards in week one than there had been in a long, long time. Like Almost half the league was under 300 yards this week. More than any week, for instance, all of last season, more than any week one since 2010. It was a defense-heavy season. And I can just imagine Thursday night this game playing out like that Two teams maybe under 300 yards and some some kvetching on Twitter about, you know, not a high-scoring game. 
Right? Uh, let's yeah, no. this goes. Yeah, uh, let's let's pick the game with the score. Mark, uh, you're up first. Bengals will win this game. If they don't, they go to Green Bay next week. But in general, I think we overrate what happens in week one. So much changes from there on out. I go Bengals 22, Texans 11. I'm going to go... 22-11. Interesting score. Okay. Well, you know, sometimes I find my scores because I go first. They create too much of a mimicry around the room at times. <laughs> so I want to oh, pick something please. that can't get picked. Oh, Not, down, except, by Greg. <laughs> except by Greg. Except by Greg. Okay, I'm going to go Bengals, but it's going to be a low-scoring affair. So 9-7. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> really, really low. No mimicry is I don't trust anybody. Side. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think Cincinnati gets back on track. I think Joe Mixon has a big game. Dandy Dalton actually throws two touchdowns to uh, A.J. Green. And guess what? 22-11. 22-11 <laughs> is my fun. No, 27-7. to Houston continues. Wow. Struggle that would not be a barn. That would not be a good uh, game to watch, 27. No. I'll go 24-14. Have. John Ross might play in this not game. Not too far oh. from 22-11, Greg. <laughs> Not too far. No yeah, I went it's a totally different Too far away. It's pretty rare that not those too numbers far away. pop up. And this, w- this is for Greg. Thursday Night Football will air on NFL Network at 8.25 p.m. Eastern. Uh, it's the right official here. kickoff you know what? of Thursday When do we start getting a little yes. color rush action? I'll be in the I office. It's like. oh. a good question. You're they right. had it last year for week two, yeah. I think. Maybe it's this week. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that the colorblind game occurred around this time, which fuddled Greg while trying to cover the Bills Jets. Correct. <laughs> was not sure if Ryan Fitzpatrick had thrown an interception or a completion. I didn't oh, no. know what was happening. All right. So there you go. The Thursday night preview. How exciting. All right. We said earlier we don't usually have guests on the show, but when you have a star involved, Doug Baldwin from the Seattle Seahawks, we get him on the show. Doug is here on behalf of Vizio. And let's be honest, you know, Vizio, that's a good television. When you go in the back of the store, <laughs> I get the one on the cheaper end and you save a few hundred bucks. Doug's with Vizio. So right off the bat, Doug's, Doug's flying. Got a splurge, yeah. <laughs> How you doing, Mr. Baldwin? I'm doing well. So to help you out with that, yeah, yeah. Um, you can go to Vizio.com slash big plays <laughs> this year and enter for your chance to win a MCAS Smart Series 50-inch TV. M-Series, I'm sorry. Okay. M-Series Smart Cast 50-inch TV. Um, any play that goes 40 yards or more that ends in a touchdown, a lucky fan is going to win a t- uh, TV. Can you affect the raffle at all in our favor so that one of the four of us <laughs> would, would come away with the technology? Um, I don't know. Uh, there was a young lady <laughs> earlier that said something about my jacket. Oh. Swack it. Uh, yeah. I asked if it was Great swack Colleen. it. Yeah, that's Colleen. What, what did you say about his jacket, Colleen? It looked comfortable. It looks like it's a soft material, like a like a sweater-type material, maybe. Swack it. Swack it. But that's yeah. not a thing. You just It's a thing up. now, Greg. <laughs> Colleen, as always, Doug, forgive Colleen. She makes things weird. <laughs> All right, let's 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 talk a little bit here. Uh, Sounds Doug. inappropriate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit, a little bit. Um, <laughs> I want to start, okay, uh, you know, week one in the rearview mirror for the Seattle Seahawks. I'm just curious, though, with – with a game of that magnitude, the Packers, Seahawks, uh, you know, you could say their biggest rival. It could have huge playoff ramifications, ultimately with a tiebreaker down the line. Who hosts the game in the playoffs? I know you don't look ahead that way, but as football fans you do, do you kind of wish a game of, of, of that importance is a little deeper into the season than right there, bang, week one? No, actually I don't. Um, I'm glad that we started off with them that early because it gave us uh, the ability to test who we are as a, as a football team. And, uh, yeah, it, it may come down to – later in the season that we have to see them again in the playoffs, but we're, we would look forward to that. You know, again, it's a great opportunity to go up against a great, uh, great team. Hopefully, people will be uh, watching that game, uh, us in the playoffs, on their M-Series SmartCast uh, TV. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you do it. That's how Solid you get plug. the cheddar. 
the the Seahawks and the Packers, it seems like they're in the divisional round every year uh, nearly. They're often playing at the end of the year. And I'm thinking back to, like, when you started facing off against the Packers and when you were starting your career with the Seahawks, you're an undrafted rookie who signs a three-year deal. Then now here we are six, seven years later, and kind of you and Russell Wilson are the guys on the Seahawks offense. When I think about the Seahawks offense in terms of guys who have been there year after year and are going to be there for a long time, like can you reflect on, on your journey to that role and does it mean a lot to you that you and Russell are kind of like the two main guys on the offense? Completely honest with you, I don't think about it at all. And the reason being is because we have uh, a task in front of us that we have to give all of, all, all of our attention and, and focus to. Um, and so I don't think about that. I appreciate you saying that. It's very uh, kind of you. Um, but uh, I don't think about that at all. We have a, a task before us. We've got many games that we're anticipating and aiming to win. So... Um, Sorry, don't don't think but, about it. We got we got we got this game coming up. That then that's all I'm focused on. But do you do you feel like you have a different role? I guess on the team, like having been through that, like do you consciously feel like okay, now you're at a different part of your career than than you were earlier, and that brings with it different responsibilities? No, oh, absolutely. First and foremost, my body is telling me that this is my seventh year in the NFL. <laughs> uh, but secondly, obviously, the young guys that come in. They look to me to to Russell to the older guys uh, for advice, you know, specifically, you know, in our receivers room about how to take care of your body, about how to mentally prepare for the games coming up. And so, yeah, I, I do see that, I do feel that. But uh, you know, typically when I'm out there on the football field trying to perform for the best of my ability, I'm still that rookie that's coming in just trying to to uh, to prove myself right again. You know, you've been with Pete Carroll from the very beginning in Seattle. Do you? How much time at this point in your career would you say that you get one-on-one time with Pete Carroll? Do you guys ever go out and, like, get a burrito together, maybe <laughs> talk on the phone about life? I mean, people, it's, you just assume that the coach is there every day. What sort of interaction? You guys have known each other for well over half a decade. How personal can it get? How conspiracy close you guys? theories? He's into conspiracies? Yeah. Stuff like that? Pete and, I, Pete and I go way back. You know, we, uh, um, we'll go out for occasional drinks, uh, you know, mm-hmm. some Martinelli's apple cider. Um, nice. You know, we'll, we'll get fitted for our swackets occasionally. Nice. Uh, we, we do a lot of stuff together. No, it, it, honestly, we get a lot of one-on-one time here in the facility, right, at practice, in the meetings. We do have a, a number of conversations where it's just one-on-one. And Pete does a great job of doing that with his guys, making sure that, uh, you know, he, he gets the, the pulse of our team. Um, and so he, he does that a lot. And, uh, no, I don't see him that much outside of the facility. He's got his family. I got my family. And, Quite frankly, I don't want to see him after I've already seen him for 12 hours out of the day. <laughs> hey, if you if you want to have a TV and be a real human being, you get a Vizio. But also, if you want to have real cereal, right, Colleen? There's something well, else cooking here. Here's the thing. I was going to ask Doug about his connection with Russell Wilson after leading the team and receiving yards yesterday. But then I saw you have your own cereal. How much input did you have into the name of the cereal, the type of the cereal, the design on the cereal box? It's a handsome-looking box. Uh, I appreciate that, but all the input. If, if I put my name on something, I'm going to be very hands-on with it. So, uh, yeah, I had, had a lot of say in it. That cereal, is, it's very similar to a cereal that I grew up on that I loved growing up. So, you know, being fortunate enough to have a cereal that I, that I love, you know, and with my name and my face on it, it's pretty cool. What was that cereal that you loved growing up? I know. It's got to be Honey Smacks, right? Uh, Baldwin Smacks. <laughs> right, right, now. right. Got it. Totally got it. Baldwin Smacks. Only Baldwin Smacks. You're completely in the clear. Uh, how about the idea? There, there's some critics out there 
Doug, that say the image on the box, you have no helmet. On some level, you're delivering a stiff arm that maybe the, the ref would blow the play dead. You're not wearing a helmet. Let's talk about that. Yeah, I've, I've heard that argument. Um, however, anybody who makes that, that, that statement, I can counter that argument with it's a cereal box, it's a commercial, it's a cartoon. Mm. Just eat the damn cereal. Seems fair. <laughs> Seems fair. It's a good ad. That's, a, that's perfect. That's very fair. Good advice. All right, Doug. Uh, so, yeah, what are you doing? We've heard a little bit, but we can't get enough of it. Uh, what are you doing for Vizio? Big screens for big plays. Yeah, so this football season, Vizio's going big. Every time a play of 40 yards or more results in a touchdown, Vizio's going to give a lucky fan a big screen TV, an M-Series SmartCast display to be exact. Uh, very easy for, uh, for fans to go enter in their chance to win. You go to uh, Vizio.com slash big plays, type in your information, and, uh, and go win yourself a TV. Dan, you could maybe win it. I mean, that's what I, I Forget the fans. I, I want to win. Yeah. I could, too. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that would feel – the books would feel a little cooked there, but – It's a status symbol. <laughs> All right. The uh, Seattle Seahawks host uh, the San Francisco 49ers in week two. Doug Baldwin, good luck and stay healthy, and uh, congratulations on your televisions and your cereals and your swackets. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Appreciate it. There you go. Thank you to Doug Baldwin. And speaking of Doug Baldwin and the Seahawks, that takes us to our final little topic of today's show. We call it O and one. Oh no! <laughs> I like it. I don't know if the if, am I hitting the pronunciation correctly there. I'm not sure. Okay, zero and one. Oh no! That's <laughs> Closer. that's better. That's much better. We workshopped like this one. for hours yesterday, and this is what we came up with, which is concerning. But uh, I'm not sure that's the pronunciation. Yeah, Dan, I had Dan in my known mind. for his. You know, nice pipes. Uh, <laughs> never heard it in that pitch before. I can go up there. I can rock I the ball set up. Mariah Carey action. The other thing it could be, and this is why it's under, to understand the segment, it's all about the, the punctuation because it's not 0 and 1. Oh, no. No. Mm-mm. We're asking. We're asking. Question. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Though the inflection goes up. Yeah. All right. We're going to go through four teams that are 0 and 1. And we'll start with you, Connie Fox. Okay. Uh, since we just talked with Doug Baldwin about the Seahawks, are the Seahawks in trouble in your mind at O and one? Oh no. So I'm really worried about that offensive line. Their defense is great, and they were in Rogers's face all day. But that offensive line was a problem last year, and it's still a problem right now. If Russell Wilson wasn't the mobile quarterback that he is, he would have been sacked twice as many times at least they couldn't run the ball Eddie Lacy looked terrible had three yards but I think that the fact that they struggle on the road against the Packers usually and it was a tough matchup for them I still have a little bit of faith that it's not you know it's not terrible but I'm worried it's not completely oh no but I'm worried about them you're worried yeah Hmm. I'm not at all. Really? I, I this is my Super Bowl yeah. team. I'm not worried at all. That old line doesn't bother you? They, listen, that was a tough matchup on the road, uh, and they hung They hung around. The offensive line maybe could have been better, but they were missing their starting running back. And I, I think they're going to be fine. I'm, I think they're going to be fine to the tune of 12-4, and four, uh, and, and I think they're going to get on track immediately here. So, no, uh, they'll figure it out. It helps. I'm not worried at all. It helps that, A, the Arizona Cardinals at this point could be in deep trouble. Mm-hmm. And Seattle's one of these teams we mentioned on Sunday that I it's just too many of the same people in place for me not to trust that they'll figure out a way. They have, they've had offensive line troubles in the past. They look uh, – it looks chronic right now. Here, here's the thing, though. They have a left tackle they weren't planning to play at left tackle who had a 
really tough team. To not look like a and left tackle. And then they have Luke Joko at left guard who, oh, you know, God. when they signed him, Pete Carroll thought he said he was one of the best guards in the league last year, you know, and I trust our coaching to make him one of the – and it's like, what? And then he had <laughs> – like, what, what are you talking about? And That's more like a, oh, no. But yeah. slammer. That's a slammer, oh, no. Is that okay. an exclamation yeah. point? Oh, no, yeah, they're yeah, going to yeah. be fine. Cool. My Disregard Super Bowl it. champion pick. All right, so, yeah, there you Thinking go. All right, so, you Connie, you're kind of – that's a bit of a uh, – Hero pick for an. I'm a little. Run. I'm a little worried. They had a couple bad calls go right. against them. Well, you're getting out in front of this. If they collapse, we'll point you back to September exactly. 12th when you nailed this. Uh, Mark, let's talk about the Washington Redskins. Sloppy game uh, yeah. against the Eagles at home in their opener, and now they they're trying to, to get it back together in week two. Oh no. Uh, I'm pretty more like oh no. Oh. I'm a little concerned about this team. It, oh. it channels back to the preseason. <laughs> I didn't know what that meant, though. I don't, you know, it's like. I know what he's oh saying. No. I know what he's okay. saying. Oh, no. Not oh, too no. good. Oh, that's, that's good it's right It's constant shots down the field oh, by no. Kirk Cousins. This seems to be the entire offense. There's no sustaining running game. The defense is ho-hum again. And look at this schedule. This would have been an easy one in years past going into Los Angeles this week to face the Rams. Not sure about that right now. Then you have the Raiders and the Chiefs. Then you have a bye week. Better take a vacation. Then you come back, 49ers, I get that. (laughs) Eagles, Cowboys, Seahawks, Vikings, Saints, Giants, Cowboys, Chargers. That is a rough, rough scenario. NFC East, rather, schedule is tough because they're out of division games are – for the most part, difficult. Are they in L.A. this week? They're in L.A. That is a really interesting game. I, I'm not sure if I'm worried about the Redskins yet. I kind of want to. I want to see a little more. I'm not. I didn't think they were going to be great to begin with, but I don't know if they're going to be a team that's out of the mix. This is a, this is a really fascinating matchup this week because the Rams have a lot of the same great things that the Eagles have up front, and you would think could yeah. could expose. Well, Aaron they're running out of time to gel if you're Washington. Yeah, I think he is playing Aaron Donald. He's going yep. to be back. They had a really good offensive line last year. They struggled in the preseason, and they struggled in week one, so that's something they're definitely concerned about. Um, that was good, Mark. Thank you. I didn't, I get, I didn't get a good – that was good? Well, I, I didn't agree with grading? you as much. Yeah, okay. But it's still – the effort was definitely <laughs> solid. Um, I think the Rams got 2-0 and written all over them, by the way. We'll see. But they kind of have that feel of, like, the team that's going to get out to the hot start and surprise people. Uh, next up is the New York Giants. I'll talk about the G-Men, and I'm going to hit you with a oh, – no. <laughs> <laughs> Really? Yeah, because you know this I love – This is my you. Super Bowl pick. Yeah, you know I love Eli, um, <laughs> and uh, I certainly – I thought it was a little troubling. What we saw on Sunday night, and I get it, Beckham will be back, but is Beckham going to hit the ground running uh, once he gets back? I don't know. Is he even playing in week two? We don't even know that for sure, although indications are that he will make his season debut. I just thought if you're a Giants fan, that game gave you nothing to alleviate any concerns that you had last year about your offense, which, as we said on Sunday, has not scored more than 20 points in seven straight games. Uh, that Eli you know, looked a little um, – you know, frankly, just looked ineffective, looked a little lost. The offensive line overmatched the running game. Just nothing going on there. Um, and does that all get better when Odell Beckham's back in the lineup? And and does Brandon Marshall feel more like himself? And Sterling Shepard finds his footing? Maybe. But I don't know. It, yeah, because it didn't get better know. for their offense last year when Beckham was on the field half the time. I don't know. I just don't see them as a very diverse offense, and they did literally nothing in the offseason to fix it. And Wait, one, did you just pick up to go to the Super Bowl? I, here's my problem. I did that in August. Uh-oh. And they were part – They were. I was convinced of the Chargers side of it, 
and I saw the Giants, and I'm not. I said this even in my initial tweet. It was sort of a vision. Well, that was a vision <laughs> that I'm very concerned about. I'm very concerned about this Super Bowl. Area man picks Super Bowl. Team well, hold on, real fast. They were, at, they were at the number one seed, though. They were at the number one seed in the NFC. Yes. It was one week, and the thing we like about them is their defense. So their defense can make a playoff team. Defense. Janoris Jenkins did a great job again on Des Bryant. So I, I'm not worried. About I didn't it. bring up the defense because I'm not worried about the defense, and perhaps they could win games like the Ravens did, for instance, last week. But I, I don't know. With that, with that offense, couldn't you a see bit. like That's three all. NFC teams? Like it would be like ten and six, nine and seven, eight and eight, six and ten. Like they're all going to be clumped together and kind of eat well, each I other think, up. I think Cowboys fans will, would say, "What? What more do we got to do to?" have some belief in us. We just had a great defensive performance and you know, best offense in the league last year. Well, they're not on this list. But, you know. I know, but he yeah. was saying they're going to be 10-6. I, I, I think 10-6 oh, and six, they could be as good of a team as they were last year to some degree. Everything kind of went right to them. 10-6, and six, when I'm looking again at each of these schedules with these teams in this NFC East division. Yeah. It is a murderer's row. There's no break. The correct answer, 8-8 uh, eight and eight, the Cowboys. That's that's really that's where you're going? I'm still with it. I'm still with All it. Right. I'm not giving up just because they beat Odell-less uh, Giants. Finally, Greg, oh, boy, the uh, Tennessee, I call them the Titans. Everyone, oh, that's not fair. All right, you call them the Titans. Well, how do you pronounce it? Uh, not the name, but the uh, expression. Oh, and one. Oh, no. I don't even know. How do you say it if you're not worried? No, like, oh, he- how about, oh, hell no. Oh. Oh, hell no. I'm not oh, worried about che- it. No, no, time how out. do you make time it out. you're not I'm worried? I'm calling a timeout. That's cheating. You're adding you words to it. have to stay within the structure of oh, no. How can you say, oh, no, but not be worried at all? That's for you to figure out right oh, now. No. Oh, no. All right, there you go. Oh, no. That's yeah. good. That, that expresses That worked. Cool. Got a good young team yeah. who got beaten in the key moments of that game. The Raiders were a better team, but I think the Titans are young. I'm a little worried by their offensive line. I Like the Redskins, played very well last year, had a poor preseason. Jack Conklin has not looked uh, great, did not look great in this game. That That's a little bit of a problem. But overall, I think they just got beat by a team that is ready and, and willing to be one of the teams in the AFC. And I, I think the Titans are going to be a good team. That's a, that's an acceptable loss. And I didn't see anything in that game that, made, that changed my mind about that. You know, we kill on the show the Chiefs, and they're boring and everything. I'm watching this game yesterday, and I'm like – you know, we get on the Chiefs for having conservative offense that doesn't get you excited, but what am I supposed to be excited about? Well, hold on. The, 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 the Chiefs, had the Chiefs looked like Chiefs of of years past and gotten banged in New England? Not, I'm not, not talking the, about that. Well, I, I think week one changes a lot about no, the Chiefs. No, I'm saying you have the general idea of a team that's a little dink and dunk, and Corey Davis, yeah, made some plays, but I was I was frankly bored watching this team on offense. There, I I'll, I mean, Marcus Mariota does things that no other quarterback in the league can do right now. He made times. some great throws over the middle. He Mar- struggled. He also got outplayed, I, extremely outplayed. I think the, by te- Derek the team Carr, has a way to get, but outside of Aaron Rodgers, maybe Marcus Mariota does some stuff that I don't see from any other quarterback in the league. That right. is a, some that's great, a starting point. Some great runs in that game. I think their running game is one of the reasons they're fun to watch, and it didn't look good against what's supposed to be a not very good Raiders defense. So that's yeah. something. I think you'd have to be a little concerned if you're the Titans. They're they're counting on that running game to really carry them. Yeah. To your point, Dan, Tennessee has not arrived. If that's what you're looking for, after all the uh, you know, not uh, April through August buzz. No, I'm oh, not no. trying to like oh, no. hammer home a narrative. It was more just the ideas. I'm watching. And I'm like, there's a lot of like six yard passes and you know, dink and dunk stuff. And I was expecting maybe a little bit more at this. But stage. we did hear before the game on Sunday uh, that Marcus Mariota maybe not is he might not be 100 percent yet. Still, 
Yeah. He ran well. He he looked yeah. it, it, extremely It was kind quick. of an overlooked factor in that game. Those two guys went out for the season on the same day in week 16, and here they are looking rather good in week one. I thought Carr looked great. You know, you just take it yeah. for granted. Uh, in summation, oh, no summations. Mark, yours? For oh, the, the Redskins. Oh, for the Redskins. Me, for the Redskins. Oh, no. Colleen. <laughs> it's going to be a long year. Colleen for the Seahawks. Oh, no. Uh, Zeuser for the Giants. Ew, no. And Greg for the Titans. Eh, no. <laughs> no, that's not eh. That's eh. cheating. Yeah. It's got to be the O. Oh, no. Okay. There you go. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, How quickly will this segment return? (laughs) We will be back. We will return, Mark. How about that? Okay. On Thursday night, uh, that's when you'll next year. We will recap this game that we just previewed and then get into all the rest of the week two games. Every team in the league is playing, so uh, that will be fun to uh, dig in on. And thank you to Doug Baldwin for joining us today. That was nice. And uh, thank you to Colleen for working us into her schedule. Oh, come on. It was nice. It was nice for you to do it. What do you mean? I, I do it every week. Yeah, go start Go start working on the shows that actually pay your bills. I don't blame Stop you. it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tough crowd in here. Um, yeah, so we'll be back on Thursday. Thank you. And remember, again, the Pick'em airs on Saturday, 9 a.m., 2 p.m., and 11 p.m. Eastern on Sunday, 6 a.m. Eastern, which leads into Connie on game day uh, morning. And this is the video show, ATN video nfl.com slash atn video so check it out at your leisure starting at 9 30 eastern 6 30 pacific uh all right let's go all right stan heads is signing off for the quiet storm connie fox they call her no boss <laughs> and a loose cannon behind the glass till thursday You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.